Friends, I hope you've had a great week. I'm glad to be with you this morning. I've been a little bit under the weather this week as well. Got that, whatever, that same stuff. Uh, maybe some of you are dealing with it. Um, but uh, glad it's not in my own strength. We come in the power of the, of the, of the Spirit, and I pray he'll, he'll work in us today. Well, let me just pray. Father, as we come to you again, as we open up your word, as, we, as, as I come to you, I, I admit my own frailty, my own weakness, and God, we, I pray you would fill me with your words. You would speak through me. God, you would fill the hearts of everyone in this room to hear and to receive and to respond in the way, God, that you would, you would have them do today. God, use this time for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been walking through a series called A, a Better Way. A couple of weeks ago, we began with with Jesus' last meal in the upper room with his disciples, and we, we learned that it was, it's better to, to serve than to be served. Even Jesus himself put on that towel, and he served his disciples. Uh, the next week, we went out to the hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull, and we saw that it's better to, to live sacrificially. It's better actually to give our lives away, to die to self so that others might find life. Last Sunday was Resurrection Sunday, and we found that it was, it's better to know the person of resurrection hope because that person truly changes everything. He changes everything. And this morning, now we move. Jesus has ascended. He's, he's uh, gone up into, into heaven, and the disciples are, um, are in, a, in a room they're in Jerusalem, and it's the day of Pentecost, and something is, is about to take place. They're about to be filled with the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. It's better to be emptied in order to be filled by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be walking through the second chapter of Acts. So if you have your Bible, if you want to follow along, we're not going to read that whole chapter, but we'll be kind of floating around in, in chapter 2. If you want to follow along using one of the Pew Bibles, it's on page 911. I do want us to read a couple of verses from this. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 36 through verse 41. If you'll follow along as I read. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse verse 36. Let all the house of Israel... Therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, speaking of the Jews, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, who was preaching, and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, For the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So that those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 
3,000 souls. This morning, we're going to see that the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit initiates, initiates a kingdom revolution. Let me say that again. The indwelling power of the Holy Spirit initiates a kingdom revolution. Now, I say kingdom. I'm talking about not, not, a, not an earthly kingdom. We're talking about God's kingdom a heavenly kingdom, one where Christ rules and reigns over it all. And when I speak about revolution, I chose that word because I look it up and it says it's a sudden, radical, and complete change. And that's exactly what happens to these disciples on this day of Pentecost. There was a sudden, radical, and complete change in the, in the, in the individual lives of these disciples and in the church as the Spirit filled them, empowered them, and transformed them. So kingdom revolution begins first with the filling of the Spirit. Kingdom revolution begins with the Spirit's filling work. See, just before Jesus went up into heaven after his resurrection, he, he told his disciples, he gathered them together and said, Hey guys, um, I'm going away. But, but, I'm gonna, but I want you to stay in Jerusalem because soon this, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. You're going to be filled with the Spirit. And you will be my witnesses here in the city of Jerusalem and in the country of Judea and in the nearby country of Samaria and all the way to the ends of the earth. It would be like if he, if he were saying to us, all right, guys, you're going to be, the Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to be my witnesses here in Mont Bellevue and throughout the United States, on into Mexico, into every part of the world. I mean, can you imagine? These guys were probably like, what in the world's he talking? We're going to be what? His witnesses all over the world. What? But that's exactly. So in chapter 2 begins with about 120 of Jesus' disciples, the apostles were there, and about 120 of his followers gathered together in a home. It's the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is 50 days after the, um, the Passover. So the Passover was when Jesus was crucified. So now it's been seven weeks and a day, and that's Pentecost. Seven Sabbaths and one day, 50 days, Pentecost. All of a sudden, they're in this room and they hear the sound like a, like a tornado, or maybe down in Texas, more like a, more like a hurricane. You know, there's no wind blowing in there, but it, the, this roar comes into the room, fills the room. And then all of a sudden, what looked like individual tongues of fire begin to appear in the room. And it doesn't give us a whole lot of information. You know, were they big? Were they, I mean, they just look like tongues of fire. And they're, they're, they're dancing around. Then all of a sudden, they come down and they rest upon every person in the room. Every person in the room. Now, fire often represented the very presence of God. We see that throughout Scripture. God's presence appeared to Moses in what? Yeah, burning bush. God's presence would, was the consuming fire there on the top of Mount Sinai. God's presence led the people of Israel through the wilderness to the promised land, a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It was his presence. God's presence was often in, uh, in, the, in the fire. 
So it's, it's as if they're in this room and it's as if the very presence of God himself comes into the room. Now, can you imagine, just put yourself there. Say that it happened here. All of a sudden, there's this roar, and we're thinking, what in the world? Is, this, is there an earthquake? Is, you know, are the plants over there about to explode? I mean, what is going on here? And then all of a sudden, these little flames start showing up all over the place, and they begin to come down and rest on us. I don't know about you. I'd be, I'd be, like, what, in, I'd be like, what is going on here? And the, the Spirit comes down. But this, it wasn't, it, these weren't just flames. This was, this was God's presence. They were filled, verse 4 says, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Spirit of God comes and goes into them, resides in them. They are filled with the, with the Spirit. And the Spirit's filling of these early followers of Jesus it's, it's, real, it's a monumental event. And friends, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, miss, we'll miss its significance. We can get tripped up like, okay, what, are, what is that these tongues? This is not so much about the tongues. It's, a, it's about his presence. It's about his spirit indwelling these, these new believers. The holy and awesome presence of God rested upon them, and they are filled with the third person of the Godhead. I mean, that's, that is amazing. In the Old Testament, you know, God, his spirit would come and he'd rest upon them and they would do mighty deeds and then, and then he, he, he could go off and do, and do something else. But now he's going in and dwelling in them. He's taking up residence in them. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 6:19 Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God. The Holy Spirit is in you is in us. And again, this Holy Spirit isn't some kind of ghost that kind of passes into our bodies and takes over like some kind of um, supernatural presence you might see on TV. That's not the case here. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, those who trust in him, all of those who trust in him have been set free from the, from the curse and the corruption of sin that, that separates us from God. Our sin created a chasm between us and God. And through, through what Jesus did by becoming sin for us, taking our sin and then giving us his right standing, our righteousness, making us pure and whole, washing away our sins, forgiving us, cleansing us, emptying us. Now the Spirit of God is able, his presence is able to come and reside in us, take up a dwelling. We become the temple, the house of the living God. The miry muck of our sin has been completely washed away from our lives and enables the very presence of, of God to come in us, the third person of the Godhead, of the Holy Spirit. Friends, that is massive. God lives in us. These disciples are gathered together in a room. They're waiting and they're wondering, what you know, Jesus is gone, now what? I mean, these are just ordinary, ordinary dudes. Fishermen, I mean, these, these guys are, there's nothing special about them. 
And yet Jesus has told them, you're going to impact the world. But, he, but you're not going to do it in your own strength. There's no way you can do it in your own strength. That's why I'm going to send you my, the, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, to come in and dwell in you. And then his power at work is going to do some incredible things. Imagine if he told us. I mean, sometimes we don't even think about it. If he told us, all right, people of First Baptist, I'm going to use you to literally change the world. I mean, spiritually transform the world. I mean, you'd be like, what does that mean? I mean, that's what he, was, that's what he said to these disciples. I'm going to use you to go out and, be, and bear witness of my name throughout all the world. And through you, churches are going to be established, and my name is going to be spread throughout all the world. Friends, that same God who indwelled them indwells us and can do this very same thing. They can't do it on their own strength. They had to come empty so that they could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And friends, just like those disciples, we need to recognize, I mean, recognize our own weakness, our own abilities, our own desperateness for, for God's presence. I mean, every time, I mean, this morning, this has been one of those just difficult, challenging weeks. You know, you've had those um, been a little bit under the weather, um, just even trying to pull this sermon together. It's like, it was just challenging. This morning, I'm like, I've got to cut, I need to cut three or 400 words out of it. I don't even know where to go with this thing. And so I was just, I was bringing out the ax and I'm just like, oh, then there's more I want to even share because this, there's so much richness here. And then it's like, oh man, who am I to even deliver this? Man, who am I to stand before you? But it's, it's not me. It's the power of God through through me. It's the Spirit of God in your own lives, hearing the Word of God and, and allowing Him to do in you more than, than you can do in yourself. So we've got to recognize that we need Him. Apart from the filling of His Spirit, I mean, what do we have? We're just, we're just shells. But Jesus told us, if you remember, when I first came, we did, early on, we did a, a, a sermon series on the, on the Beatitudes. Jesus shows us in Matthew chapter 5, as he preached this famous sermon, what it, what it looks like to, to be emptied. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who, are, who see themselves as spiritually destitute. I mean, I have nothing to offer. I'm, I'm spiritually poor. I have nothing to bring to the table, God. And he says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, blessed are those who, who mourn. And he's not talking about those who've lost loved ones and who are grieving. He's, that's not at all what, what he's talking about in this passage. He said those who, who, who mourn, who see their sin and their, their wickedness and their need before God and the chasm, and they, they just mourn over their position in Christ because of, of sin. And he says, those, those will be, when, when, you, when you come to that place in your life, you'll be comforted. And he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. That word filled, to hunger and thirst for him is to be filled by him. All who come to Jesus in this, in this way will be filled and inhabited with the Holy Spirit. 
Paul in Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't be drunk with wine, for that is, that's uh, debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be controlled with drunkenness. Drunkenness takes over and you, you say stuff, you do stuff you might be embarrassed about. Don't be drunk. Don't be controlled by an outside. Be, be filled and controlled. Be led by and empowered by the Spirit of God. And we don't have to have this Pentecostal experience of tongues, little tongues coming down and resting upon us, falling upon us to be filled with the Spirit. The first step in acknowledging our, is, is simply to acknowledge our need of Spirit filling to realize we, every one of us, every one of you in this room, myself included, need to be filled. That, that first time when we, like Abby, she's given her life to Christ, the Spirit of God has filled her life, but every day, every day I come to Him, Lord, I need to be filled. I need to be filled by You. I don't want to walk in my own strength. I mean, I, I mean my wife needs, needs more than a, a human husband. I mean, she needs a spirit-filled husband, and she's had both. You know what I'm saying? Wives, you know what you're talking about? Husbands, I mean, you know, I, I don't need just a wife. I need a spirit-filled wife. My, my kids need a spirit-filled father. I need to be spirit-filled here in, in my job, in, my, in you and your jobs, in your neighborhoods. We, we can't do it on our, on our own, every one of us. Needs to seek to be to be filled, have our lives filled. But here's what happens: what we do, we end up looking for things that to fill our hearts with things that make us happy, things that we think might give us some meaning and purpose. But we 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 end up going after the wrong things. We don't go after the spirits in filling. We go after things. It's like um, I think I've used this before, like cotton candy. I like cotton candy. I love it when we have our little kids' things. The, the banana cotton candy is awesome. Next time we have a thing, grab the, the, that banana cotton candy. It's incredible. But cotton candy, it, this big old thing, and it looks so beautiful. And what do you do? You, you bite into it, and it just, what happens? It's just gone. It just like, it tastes good for the moment. And by the time you get done, you realize it's like, and you're just, you know, you're, you're picking on that, on that little whatever that cone is, you know, you're picking every piece of it. I'm, I'm licking it, and it's just like, and then you get done, you're like, man, that really, I don't even feel good anymore. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and that's, that's what we do with our lives. Instead of going, Lord, I need you. Would you fill me this day? We go after other things in life to fill us and to find meaning and, and purpose. Friends, we can't run after cotton candy in this world. We've got to run after the, the very presence of God Almighty. After we acknowledge our need for spirit filling, we simply, we simply ask Him to, to fill us. We see our need and we ask Him, Lord, fill me. Lord, here is my cup, my heart, my life. Fill it with the, with the power of your presence. Consume me with your fire. Lead me, guide me, help me, embolden me. Use me with, for, for your purposes and for your glory. So here's my first big ask of you for this week. I want you every morning this week, 
I want you every morning to start your day just acknowledging your need to be spirit-filled. Acknowledging your need to be spirit-filled and then simply ask him to fill you. Ask him to fill you. And I promise you, I promise you, when it's like a, when, when my daughter comes and she asks me, her dad, for something. I mean, I want to please her. I want to, and I, there's sometimes like, ah, oh, that's maybe not best, you know, and, I, and I'll go the other way. But oftentimes, usually, I'm going to, I want to meet her need. I, want, I find great joy in, in meeting her need and, and, and giving her what she asks. Hey, Dad, can I have $10? I don't know how she does it. Sure, and I just give it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because I love just pleasing, pleasing my daughter and meeting her needs and giving her what she... Our Father loves us way, way more than I could ever love my daughter. And when we come to him, and we know that this is God's will, he says, be filled with the Spirit. So when you see your need and you ask him, he's not going to be like, I'm oh, sorry. He, out of great love, is going to pour out the Spirit in your life. He's going to embolden you and empower you. He's going to fill you up to the full, to the brim. So this week, acknowledge every morning, get up. Lord, I need your spirit today to, to interact with my spouse, to interact with my friends, to, 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 to interact with my coworkers, to, to, to live life today. I need your spirit to give me hope and the boldness and the, the energy and the, 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 the vision to, to live more than just this empty, purposeless, uh, cotton candy life. I want to live on mission for you. This brings us to the second aspect, I think, of kingdom revolution. It's the Spirit's empowering, the Spirit's empowering work. First, the Spirit's filling work, and now we see His empowering work. The Holy Spirit filled these disciples, and they began to speak in, in other tongues, the Scripture says. And these are not tongues that we read about like in um, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. These are specific languages and dialects. The festival of Pentecost had brought people really from, from all over the known world. It's a, it's, this is like a reversal. Some of you might remember the Tower of Babel in Genesis. This is a reversal of the Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel, God confused their languages and they scattered all over the earth. And now people from all, all over the earth are coming with their languages and they're going to, in unity, hear what the disciples have to say. The, the disciples are about to just, just share about the mighty acts of God and they're going to understand it. They do. People from 15 different countries are listed here in, their, in our passage and they all hear in their language as the disciples are sharing about the mighty acts, the mighty works of God. And it, the scripture says that some wondered what it, what it meant. Others, others thought that they were drunk. But every one of them were amazed at what they were witnessing. There was something different and unique about these disciples. How in the world were these simple Galileans speaking like this where's their accent and they're speaking my language and they're using my dialect and it i can understand them how is this well they're empowered by the holy spirit then peter stands up and he he preaches a spirit empowered message to the crowd 
Now, friends, you remember Peter. Peter was one of the apostles. Fifty days earlier, he was denying that he even knew Jesus. He was running with his tail between his legs like a coward. The little girl says, hey, weren't you with Jesus? Oh, I don't even know that guy. That's now Peter, that same Peter, is standing up, and he gives one of the most powerful sermons in, in the history of mankind. I want you to see a couple things about his, his sermon, and you'll see the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in his life. First, it's, it's just filled with Scripture. Peter, he was just a simple uh, fisherman. In fact, after the crucifixion, after Jesus rose from the dead, he goes out there, and Peter's back out fishing again. That's all he knows. But now, now he's, he's off the cuff. He, he hasn't prepared this message. It'd be like me just walking in here preaching a sermon. And that would not be good. If I had, I mean, it's just not good. But he's just, just out of the blue, stands up and starts preaching. And it's, he's no theologian. He's no biblical scholar. And he's bringing, he brings the book of Joel in there. He's making connections with a couple different Psalms. And he's, he's, God is just bringing it all, all up. And friends, that same God that worked in Peter to bring the scripture alive can do that in your life as well. It's like when you're out and you, you, you come in, somebody asks you a question, you're like, well, and, and it may not be word for word, but he'll bring scripture to your mind. Maybe you've been in some of those situations. Maybe it's with your, even with your kids. You know, all of a sudden you're like, hey, here's what, Here's what we need to do. I mean, spirit-filled wisdom. Second, it was a Christ-centered message. If you look down at verse 22, he brings Christ right to the forefront of his sermon. And then again in verse 36, he makes his message all about Jesus. And friends, that's what we want our lives to be like. We want Jesus to be front and center. How do we do that? Well, by the Spirit empowering us. Third, he, he was bold and convicting Twice in his sermon, he told his Jewish listeners that they crucified Jesus. Here's Peter. He saw what they did to Jesus. And now he's preaching to Jews. And he's saying, guys, you were the one that crucified him. And he's telling them this Jesus was the Messiah. I mean, that took some, that took some guts. I mean, what's to keep them from hauling him off and accusing him of blasphemy? trying to kill, Or just taking him out and stoning him. He gets right, he just, he lays it out and just says, hey, guys, you guys are the ones that crucified him. Now repent and give your life to him. And it says in verse 37, and when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. How does that happen? I mean, how does that happen? It happens when we're empowered by the Spirit and God is at work. Fourth, it was a very hopeful passage. Verse, 40, or verse 38, we read this earlier. It says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They, too, can be forgiven of their sins and be filled with the Holy Spirit, just as they witnessed in the disciples. <coughs> and lastly, it was fruitful. Verse 41 says that those who received the word were baptized, 3,000, 3,000 souls. I mean, what would happen if we as a church got here and just, we went out and all of a sudden 3,000 people came to know Christ? I mean, 
wow, that would be awesome. We wouldn't, I mean, we had 3,000 people, every pool in Jerusalem had, a, had an apostle in there. They were baptized probably for days. I mean, what a celebration. I mean, Jerusalem would just turn literally upside down. Again, friends, this Peter wasn't a seasoned preacher. He wasn't a seasoned preacher. He's just a fisherman empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the same Spirit that empowered Peter lives in you and empowers you to do great things for God. I mean, do you believe that? I mean, he may not have you stand up in the grocery store and start preaching to folks and see, you know, see a great revival break out in H-E-B. That may not happen. But he, he, he's got other things in store. And that same power that, that used this fisherman to bring 3,000 people to Christ can do that in you and through you. He'll empower you to make Christ the center of your life. He'll, he'll empower you to live and to proclaim Scripture. He'll, he'll empower you to, to make Christ the center of your family and marriage and friendships and work, school, everything. He will embolden you to share the gospel and call others to turn from sin. You might say, I, I don't know how to do it. I, I'd just be nervous. I mean, this is why we give you those cards. And I, what, what you do, just go out there and you're like, you've already prayed that morning. Lord, fill me with your spirit, embolden me. And then you take one of those cards that has our sermon series and then directions to our church on the back. And you just go out and you run into somebody, you have a conversation, just pull it out and say, hey, I'd love to invite you to church. Or, or even better yet, hey, man, Jesus has transformed my life. He saved me and he can, he can do the same. He brought hope. Man, he brought hope to me when I didn't think there was any hope left. I was so broken, and he healed me, and he can do the same for you. You think, how in the world do you do it? You can do it through the power of the Spirit. The mission that we have as a church is to connect people to Christ, community, and cause. Friends, it cannot, we cannot accomplish that mission in our own strength. There's no way. There's no way. Without the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit coursing through our veins, our labor, our programs, our out, it's just in vain. <clears throat> but yet he is alive in us. We just celebrated resurrection last Sunday, and we celebrate it again today and every Sunday. Every day is resurrection day. And the same resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you and me. He's at work in us. And he can do more than we can ask or think according to, as Ephesians says, according to the power at work in us. With the Holy Spirit living inside you, friends, you are a force to be reckoned with. <clears throat> this is why we want everyone to be engaged and involved in, in our mission. We want you to connect to a, a life group and be, be involved in one of our serve teams. So, so again, you, you heard Ryan say next step. So what is your next step? Every one of us has a next step. For some, you may need to hear Peter's words and respond in faith. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That might be your first step. If you don't know Christ, this is it's the first step we all take. 
It's to believe that Jesus took the punishment that you and I deserved. And then we hear him call our names and we run to him. He then gives us the promise of eternal life in heaven where there's no more suffering or pain or struggle or loss, only endless joy and peace. And at that moment, we receive his saving grace and forgiveness. We're filled. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if you want to know more about what it means to, to follow Christ, I'd love to visit with you. Uh, you can text uh, that first connect, 94,000. Hit option four, and it'll give you, it just, you'll it, put your information in there, and I'll reach out to you. love to talk to you more about what it means to, to know Christ and to be filled with the Spirit for the first time. For others of you, your next step is simply to connect with a, with a community of faith. For now, I, know, I know a really good church. I know a really good church. It's right here. God's been at, been at work. It, is, it has been so sweet. It was so fun last week just seeing everybody working together and serving. And yeah, I mean, it's, the, Lord is, the Lord is at work here. He's on the move here. And I want to invite you to become a part of, of what he's doing here. We're not a perfect church. I'm definitely not a perfect pastor. But we're seeking to be empowered by the Spirit to be change agents in our community and world. Again, next Sunday, right after the service, I'm leading that Connect 101 class would love for you to come be a part of that a part of that class and find out how to how to connect here at First Baptist and then all of us have a have a place to serve friends where there's people where there's a church there are needs just like these kids we have needs in our in our kids ministry places to serve all of us need to be Ryan said it earlier involved in our VBS Um, I think we had like I think we had more workers last year than we had kids. Maybe not quite. But it's like every one of us can work at VBS. I'm going to be there every night. And uh, we want you to be there. So May 7th, come to that workers meeting. (coughs) All right, one last thing. These last few minutes together. I want you to see the, I think the last aspect of this kingdom revolution. It's the Spirit's transforming work. So first his filling work, his, his empowering work, and then his transforming his changing work i'd love for you to spend some time this week just reading verses 42 through 47 of chapter 2 incredible incredible verses these 3,000 new believers i mean they are transformed by the holy spirit they are new people they become you see it here they become hungry for god's word they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They, they couldn't get enough. Every time the apostles were out there like, hey, preach to us, teach us, bring us the word. Church wasn't just an hour on Sunday for these new believers. They were hungry and thirsty for the word of God. They took in God's word daily and they were dedicated to learning this word. Second, they were people who gave their lives away for others. They, the scripture says they were devoted to fellowship. Now, this isn't like what we think sometimes fellowship is a potluck meal on Sunday night. Amen? You know, that, we have some good fellowship. This is, a, this is the kind of fellowship where you have all things in common and you just meet, you meet one another's needs. You give your life away. How can I give? How can I serve? That's what he's talking about when he says fellowship. And you can read it down, the verses in there. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions. There wasn't a need among the people in the first church. 
And they were a people, thirdly, that, that loved worship. They gathered around the Lord's Supper and prayer. They, they gathered daily in the temple for worship. They broke bread in their homes. They had a deep awe of God, it says. They were continually praising him. And lastly, they were a people of spiritual influence. They lived out their faith. The Spirit of God had so transformed their life. He would filled them, empowered them, and now had changed them that they were out now being change agents in the world. They were living out their faith in power. And it says that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I mean, can you, I mean, I mean, it'd be awesome as a pastor, we just show up here on Sunday and there's like, you know, 50 people. Hey, who are, hey, they got saved this week because you, you all were out there just sharing and you were empowered by the spirit and you were just living in, in, in the presence of Christ and were just trans, so transformed. You were sharing it with others and God was using you and me to, to change lives. And this was happening day after day and people were just, I mean, that, another thousand 5,000 at it. just the, the church was exploding. This is the kind of transformational work that the indwelling power of the Spirit brings. We become a people connected to the Word, teaching. We become a people connected to one another, fellowship. We become a people connected to God, worship. And we become a people connected to our community and world, spiritual influence. Friends, this is the This is why the indwelling power of the Spirit is so important for us as a church. Friends, we want this kind of transforming work to be be just natural, to be a part of, of how we live and do faith together. Oh, that the Lord would add to our number day by day those who are being saved. So here's my here's my second big ask. So first, um, you know, the first I wanted you just to realize your need of the Spirit and to ask Him to fill you. Secondly, I want you to maybe just read through these six verse these six verses here in chapter two, verses forty two through forty seven. Just read them once a day, a couple times a day. Ask God to transform us as a church as you as you read through this and you see these early followers of Jesus and how they were devoted to his word and to fellowship and worship and to be used by God as agents of spiritual influence read this passage and pray that for us pray that for you pray that for us because if God can do it to these this little band of believers 120 people and 3,000 come to know Christ Prince he can do it in us I believe that Because it's not us, it's the Spirit of God at work. The indwelling power of the Holy Spirit initiated a kingdom revolution at the day of Pentecost. And that same indwelling power is with with us today. It's creating a sudden and a radical, complete change in our lives and in the life of a church. God, I, I, I want to see that more and more in us. We've, we've, we've tasted it. We've seen bits of it. I want to see it just blossom into full bloom. Friends, it's a better way than trying to do it on our own. It's a better way to be filled with the Spirit, to be indwelled, 
the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, Spirit initiating a kingdom revolution in us and through us. Let's seek to be filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and transformed by the Spirit for the good of others, for the building up and the expansion of the church, and for the glory and honor of God. Pray with me.